Well, good evening and welcome to Ocean County Baptist Church live stream this evening, Resurrection Sunday. We are so thankful that you've joined us uh, from your computer, your homes, uh, to listen to the word of God being preached. Pastor Anthony Petrozello will be coming in just a couple of minutes to preach the word. I just wanted to take a moment uh, once again to remind everyone that our online giving platform is now set up. It is good to go. Uh, there are instructions on Facebook. You can access it by our, going to our website, ocbcministries.org. Uh, there's a link at the top right there. You'll see it. It says Give. And when you click on that, there'll be a button in the center of the page that says Give. You click on that. It'll open up a page. Uh, you can create a profile, do a one-time offering. Um, if you, by any chance, logged in yesterday or went in very early this morning, you may have noticed there was only the general fund available to give an offering to. That has now been updated, and if you go on there now, uh, you will see all the funds that you are able to give to. Um, so if you haven't done so and would like to do so, you'll see it. It's fa fairly easy to follow through. Um, you also have the ability to give through a mobile app. It's Give Plus, available on the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, and it's pretty much the same as the website. Both of them are set up very similarly. Again, you can create the profile once, and then your payment information, your bank account information will be saved, and you can set up recurring payments so you don't have to do it every week, or if you prefer, you can go in there each week and just give as the Lord would direct you. So again, if you have any questions about uh, the new app, I know it's new, you can just send either a, you can send a personal Facebook message through uh, to Ocean County Baptist Church, leave a message at the church, send us an email, we'll be more than happy to help you out with that. Um, but at this moment, I'd like to turn it over to Pastor Anthony to bring the word to us. Well, good evening from Ocean County Baptist Church. If you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, hope you guys all had a great Easter. I'm sure you didn't have any big family gatherings. If they are, don't tell me. And we uh, had a great dinner. Made my first homemade sauce, and it was delicious. So did not get a nap in, but that's all right. So Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16, I'm going to pray, and we'll get started for this evening. Dear God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that today is the day that we get to celebrate your resurrection God, I can't think about a more important holiday. God, I thank you for all you do for us. God, I just, you didn't have to come to this earth. And God, we pray, I pray that you would help us just to always be thankful and appreciative of you. And God, and I pray we would just um, always remember, God, why your resurrection is so important. I pray you'd help me now as I preach. I pray you'd be with um, all the words that I say. I pray that you'd help me just to be Led of the Holy Spirit, I pray that he would have free roam in my preaching, that I wouldn't get in the way. God, I pray you just give us a great night in your house, and I pray you help us all to be back here soon. God, I know I miss it. I know a lot of us miss it. We all miss it, just being together, God, and just just the fellowship. And God, I pray you'd help us just to stay healthy. And those who are sick, I pray you'd have a healing hand on them. And just, I pray you'd be with those on the front lines of this thing. I think of all the healthcare workers. I know we have many of them in our church and in our school, and God, I pray you be with them. I pray you just keep them healthy and help them just to get the rest that they need. And God, I pray that you just just give them extra strength today and this week. And pray that you just help all of us, God, just to remember you in this time and look to you for help in this time. And God, I pray again that you be with me now in this message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 16. We're going to read the whole chapter. It says, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of, G of James and Salome, has, had brought, bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, 
the first day of the week, they came onto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. So I'm going to stop every so often and kind of tell the story of what's going on in this chapter as I read the whole chapter. But we see here that um, they rose, it was very early in the morning. So picture it as, you know, sunrise and this, um, I know, I'm going to get off topic already. I'm going to try not to. But think of it as golden hours. My wife likes to call it. It's her favorite time to take walks. But, you know, the sun's just coming up, and everything's just kind of had that golden tint to it. And they're walking over to the sepulcher. Now, this isn't a happy time for them. You know, we know what happens. We know that Jesus rises from the dead and that it's a great, amazing story that we'll tell throughout all of eternity. But they don't know that yet. They're going to the sepulcher to anoint him. They're thinking that he's dead and that they're going to find the body and they're just going to anoint the body. And so it's a very early, it's a very sad morning. But we know that that's going to change. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. So we already see that they were wondering who was going to move the stone. So obviously they didn't bring any big strong men with them who was going to roll the stone away. And, you know, they had a problem and they didn't know how to solve it. We see already in verse 4 that God solved it for them. And the stone was already rolled away. You know, it must have been a shock going up to the tomb and to the sepulcher and, you know, being ready just to have to work hard and they're already sad and they have to move this giant stone and that moment I believe that moment when they walked up and they saw that stone rolled away you know their curiosity was probably peaked they started thinking you know could it really be true you know why would the stone be rolled away maybe they thought you know Peter or someone was there but so we see, we see that the stone was rolled away and entering into the sepulcher they saw a young man sitting on the right side clothed in a long white garment and they were frightened and he saith unto him, Be not afraid, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. So now, now their excitement's up 10,000 times. They see that you know, the person we know of is an angel, and they're sitting there and they're telling them that you know, Christ is not there, that he's risen. In a different passage of scripture, it says that he is risen as he said. You know, Jesus already told them that he was going to rise from the dead. And we see here that Jesus fulfilled his word. And then we see that Mary hears and the other Mary are the first ones to see it. And, you know, they must be overjoyed that the fact that their Savior was dead and they're depressed and they're going to this thing ready to anoint him. But now they know that he's risen from the dead. And What's my, my, one of my favorite parts is that the angel said that ye seek Jesus. He already knew why they were there and that they were seeking after Jesus, as we uh, mentioned this morning. And then he told them, behold the place where they laid him. Now this is recorded in Matthew as well. And pretty much saying, you know, don't take my word for it, see for yourself. You know, it's not just a word of mouth. You know, we're not just telling other people and other Christians, you know, you know Jesus rose from the dead. It's not our word. It's a fact. You know, they looked for themselves. They saw for themselves that Jesus rose from the dead. They, you know, you'll never convince them that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And we'll see later that there's many people that you'll never convince. Jesus did rise from the dead, and they saw it for themselves. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you unto Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. <clears throat> and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. We read that quickly. They, it was a fervent. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went out and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. Now notice this. This is where it gets really interesting. In verse 10, I'm going to read again. It says, And she went out 
No, she went and told them that that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had and been seen of her, believed not. So she's pretty much tell them, you know, Jesus appeared unto me, and I know he's alive and he's risen from the dead, just like he said. And in that moment, I'm sure she remembered, but they didn't believe. And we're going to keep reading that this happens again. After that, he had appeared in another form unto two of them. We know this is the two men that were walking on the road, and he expounded to them the Old Testament. And as they walked and went on to the country, and they went in and told it unto the, the residue, and neither believed they them. So Jesus appeared again unto two other disciples, and they told everybody, you know, they didn't believe them either. You know, the sad thing is, is that, you know, if we were there, would we believe them? You know, would I believe them? Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at... Just a quick pause. You know, Jesus told them multiple times that he was going to rise from the dead. And when he finally, you know, did rise from the dead, and now you have people telling you that he rose from the dead, you think these disciples would believe him. And we read in verse 14. Afterwards, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Let's read that verse again. After he appeared unto the eleven, so now he's appearing unto all his disciples as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So pretty much he's telling them, you know, why did you not believe me? Why did you not believe these other people? Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So this tonight in this Resurrection Sunday evening service, I want to preach a message to you entitled The Victorious Resurrection. You know, the resurrection is one of the most important doctrines of our Christianity. It is a key aspect to Christianity. Why? The story that changed, it is the story that changed history forever. You know, God in the flesh became one of us, became human, became a man, died, and then rose again. So why is this important to me? Why is this important to you? Well, first off, I want to turn to 1 Corinthians, and we'll be in 1 Corinthians for a majority of the night. We'll be flipping back through a few passages. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 17, it says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye, ye are yet in your sins. You know, Paul knew how important the resurrection is. He dedicated a whole... He dedicated a whole 58-verse chapter to it in 1 Corinthians 15, and he talks about, you know, all the importance of the resurrection, and he knew that without the resurrection, our faith is vain. You know, we need the resurrection. Look at verse 14. It says, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. So not only, you know, is your faith in vain or worthless or empty, but all of our preaching is vain. You know, if I get up here and say, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and everybody gets excited. But in reality, I just heard it from somebody and it's actually not true. You know, that's why the angel said, see for yourself. You know, and Jesus appeared unto his disciples and many other people. And in Acts it says, many infallible proofs. You know, it is a fact of history that Jesus rose from the dead. You can't deny it. You can go ahead and deny it. But, you know, when you get to heaven and as Tom spoke to us before and you stand before God, you know, you're going to have to give an account for what you've heard, and maybe you're you know, listening for the first time tonight. You're going to have to give an account for what you're listening to tonight. You know, Jesus truly did rise from the dead. And it's crazy that you know, everybody, even his disciples, thought they lost. I mean, look at that. 
He appeared unto them. They didn't believe him. He appeared unto someone else, and they told the disciples. They didn't believe him again. They were so defeated. You know, a lot of people thought they defeated Jesus, and even his own disciples, and Satan thought he won. But in reality, that third day, the only person who was defeated was death itself. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and everybody who saw him afterwards believed him, and they realized they were wrong. Christ was right when he said he was going to rise from the dead, and then he rose again that third day. You know, the devil was defeated, death was defeated, and our faith is not vain because Jesus rose from the dead. You know, so why is the resurrection important? Well, our first point for tonight is it sets us apart from other religions. You know, there are a lot of religions out there in this world. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of religions of people believe in different things. And, you know, I talk to some people, everybody has a religion. You say, well, no, I'm listening to this and I'm an atheist. Well, I've heard some people say, God doesn't believe you. You know, every one of you have something you put your faith in. You know, whether it's, you know, a person or a thing, and whatever it may be. We all have our religions. But the only religion with a Savior that died and rose again is the Christian religion. You know, you could go, you've heard it before, you can go to Mohammed's tomb, he's still there. You can go to Buddha's tomb, he's still there. You can go to Confucius's tomb, he's still there. But you can go to Jesus's tomb, and he's not there. Because he rose again, and he defeated death, and we're the only religion that could ever do that. And more than that, it's not just a religion that God, who rose from the dead, now wants a relationship with you. How crazy is that? What a God that we have. And this is all because of the resurrection. All because of the victory that we have in the resurrection. It sets us apart from other religions. God's not dead. You know, we, you know, maybe you've seen that movie, maybe you haven't. And I, I thought about that, and it's true. God is not dead. Jesus is alive and well, and he sees everything that's happening that you're going through, that I'm going through, that this world is going through. Jesus is alive, and Jesus rose again that third day, and it makes us different from every other religion. You know, a lot of people can be so strong in their beliefs. You know, some people, they ask, you know, how do you think people go way out there and believe certain things? And you know, there's power and there's influence and fear and all kinds of ways to influence people. And I think of even, um, this is a um, dramatic, I guess, analogy, but even Hitler's followers thought they were doing the right thing. So there are ways to influence people that people believe crazy things. But I don't care what you say about me. I know without a doubt what I believe is true. You say, Anthony, how can you know that? Well, you cannot, you cannot tell me what I experience as a Christian isn't true. Because it's a personal gospel because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I can have peace in troubled times. You know, with all of this craziness going on, and I feel for the families, and I do pray constantly. And I know there was a, a family of someone who was, who was very ill, and he was going through a lot of health issues, and they didn't think he was going to make it. And I prayed for him, and he ended up coming out of the hospital today. And praise the Lord for that. You know, there's times in my life and times in my life when I felt empty and lonely and I prayed and I cried out to God and I knew God talked to me and I knew God met with me like Tommy was teaching us today or preaching us to us today to meet with God. And it's so true that when you meet with God, it changes your life forever. So you can't tell me my religion's not real and my relationship with God isn't real because I know it for a fact. And that's because his Bible's true and that Jesus really did rise from the dead. It's a personal relationship. It sets us apart from all other religions. Jesus is the only one with an empty tomb. Christianity is the only one with a risen Savior. And we talk about that and praise the Lord for that. So why is the resurrection important? Well, for one, it separates us from everybody else. Everybody else you go and talk to, they'll say, oh, well, this great prophet that we had, and this is his tomb. Well, I'll show you Jesus' tomb, but he's not in there. 
Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Why is the resurrection important? Well, let's look in Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Look in verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I see here that without the resurrection, there's no salvation. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he would have just been like anybody else who died. But he's not just like anybody else. He's God in the flesh who defeated death for you and for me, and that's why we can have salvation. It says it right here in the Bible. If you don't, it says that God, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you're listening to this tonight and you've never been saved before, I'd encourage you, read through these verses. Read through the verse that says, you know, confession, for the heart believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, let me explain that to you. Confession is just agreeing with God about your sin. You know, you'd be lying to yourself if you said you'd never sinned before. And if you think you're perfect and, you know, ask a, a family member, I'm sure they'll tell you. I remember when I was a camp counselor, just a quick story, I asked a kid and I said, have you ever sinned before? He's like, no, I don't think so. I said, if I asked your mom, would she say the same thing? He goes, oh no, she'd say something different. So if we're honest with ourselves, we've all come short of the glory of God, as the scripture says. And there's no righteous, no, not one. So we've realized that we're a sinner. We realize, we realize that there's sin within us. Well, well, sin separates us from God. If we are still living in our sin and we have sin in our heart, we can't go into heaven. Our sin actually condemns us to hell. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Wages is something that you've earned. Think of hourly wages. You make money and they give you an hourly wage because of what you've done. Well, the wages for our sin is death. And that second death is death in hell. You know, that's a tough thing to tell somebody. But if I don't tell you, it's because I have to tell you because I love you. Because I want you to know that because of the way, or because of sin, that we are all condemned to hell. But we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to suffer death and penalty. Why? Because Jesus died and he rose again, which he paid the penalty for our sin. But you have to accept that payment. You have to accept, the Bible calls it a free gift. You don't have a gift unless you accept it. It doesn't do you any good until you've accepted the gift. So I challenge you, if you're not saved, look into your own heart. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and accept the free gift of salvation. And if you are saved, glory in the fact that God saved you. Remember the fact that Jesus died and Jesus rose again. And because of that, you have salvation. It sets us apart. And a second point, it sets us apart from our sin. If you look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17, back to 1 Corinthians 15. I warned you we'd be back there a few times. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17. It says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. So without Christ's resurrection, we're living in sin. Because I told you before, because of his resurrection, we can be saved. And because we can be saved, God takes away our sins from us. So we don't have to live in sin. We can live in victory. And that's the point I'm making here about the resurrection and the, the victorious resurrection is because God defeated death and he raised from the dead is that we can have victory in our life. It says in Galatians 5, 16, I'll turn there real quickly. You can stay in 1 Corinthians 15. In Galatians, Galatians 5, 16, 
It says, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, God gave us a way to defeat sin, to defeat our flesh, and it's walking in the spirit. It's doing what God wants us to do and fulfilling and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And we can do that because God raised from the dead and that power. Think of that. Just real quick. Think of the power that it takes to raise God from the dead. I mean, it takes an innumerable amount of power that we can't even fathom because it's divine power. God himself, it says that God hath raised from the dead. You know, God did it. God raised Jesus from the dead. It wasn't some gimmick, some illumination or whatever it may be. No, God raised him from the dead. And that same power lives in you, and that same power you can use to defeat sin. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. You know, when I learned this, this honestly changed my life and how I viewed battling sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? See, even Paul couldn't even understand it. To usward who believe according to the works of his mighty power, which wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I keep reading, it says, For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So he's pretty much saying, you know, this power that no one can fathom raised Jesus from the dead, and that same power works in you, and that's the same power. If you think about it, the Holy Spirit is God in all the fullness that God is, and he lives inside of us and works through us to help us fight our sins. And we also see that it sets us apart from our sin, but it also makes dead things live. You know, if we think about it in the most simplest form, Jesus was dead and then he was alive. Well, there's a lot of things in our own life going right to application that are dead that need to be made alive again. Think of our faith. You know, the Bible says without the resurrection, our faith is dead. And the Bible also talks about in James, without works, our faith is dead. So, you know, you've been saved and you've accepted the resurrection power and you know that you're saved and maybe there's just not enough, you know, there's not works that are following that make you feel like your faith is alive. You say, Anthony, what does that really mean? Well, God works in making dead things live. So he can make your faith alive. You say, well, what does that look like? You know, we're not saved by works, but when we get saved, there should be some works that follow. And the works aren't what save us, but after we're saved, we should be doing works. I know I talked to people about this before and dealing with other people is that, you know, it's a heart issue. And the Bible talks a lot about the heart, the inner man, who you really are when no one's looking and all of that. And if that's right, on the outward, we'll just follow through. If you're right with God and everything in what you're doing with God is on the same page, when there's a, a need outside of that, or there's a need in the outside action world, that'll just go right along with it. For example, if I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying like I should, and I walk into the sanctuary and, you know, somebody asks me, oh, Anthony, can you, can you do this? You know, if I'm not on page with God, I'll be like, oh, no, I'm busy. I got to go do something. But, you know, but if I am, I'll be like, oh, sure, I'm happy. Why? Because God's living through me and I'm just doing whatever he wants me to do. And that's all made, that's all made possible through the resurrection power of Christ. You know, what is dead in your life? Is it your prayer life? Would you describe your prayer life as alive? You know, God makes dead things live. He made the Son of God, who was dead, and now he's alive. How much easier would it be to take your prayer life or your devotional life or your own faith that may be dead and make it alive? 
We see the same concept in Ezekiel. It talks about there's a field and a valley of dry bones. And, you know, he said, can these bones live? And he said, God, only you know that. And, and God made the bones live again. You may feel like you're dead inside and you're just kind of lonely or depressed. You know, God can make your life lively again. You know, God has changed my life every single day that I meet with him. And it's always for the better. You know, it talks about we read in Matthew and in Mark and they were exceeding joyful and amazed, or joyful and fearful. You know, how do those two go together? Well, when you meet with God, someone mentioned this one, there's always joy. No matter what happens and whatever you're going through, you're not promised a comfortable, easygoing life as a Christian. But you are promised that the resurrected Savior, Son of God, goes through that life with you. And that makes all the difference, and that's why we can always be happy. You know, you people look at me and when I was on the other job site, and they'd be like, yeah, Anthony, why, you're always smiling. Why are you always smiling? I was like, well, you know, Jesus loves me. That's what I tell him. I said, God, the, the God who created everything, loves little old me. And that just puts a smile on my face no matter what. Now, I'm not saying I'm always smiling. Sometimes I get grumpy, which is fine. But usually, as a Christian, we always have something to be joyful about. God can raise himself from the dead. He can raise any part of our dead Christianity. He has the power to do it. You know, Matthew 28 says, and Jesus said, all power. Not some power, not a little bit of power, not almost sufficient power. All power. God has all power to do whatever it is you need him to do in your life. The only problem is we see the same problem the disciples had. Do you believe him for it? Do you believe God can do impossible things in your life? Because the disciples who were always with Jesus nonstop all day long, learning about Jesus and te Jesus teaching them. And he even told them, I'm going to raise from the dead. And then he does it, and they still don't believe him. We can find our own selves not believing God sometimes. I challenge you. The Bible says, the God, God says, prove me now. God will never fail you. you know, I've found in my own life, and you know, oh, I almost said 22 years. Yes, yesterday was my birthday. 23 years of my life, God has never failed me. Not one time has God wronged me. Not one God, time has God, you know, wronged me in a sense that I was like, oh, God, why did you do that? Or, you know, I can't believe God would do, you know, people, there's people in our life that wrong us. And we think to ourselves, well, that wasn't very nice. You know, God never does that. God is, always has our best interests in mind, and he has all power to work in our lives if we believe him for it. The power of, uh, Paul said, Paul knew the same principle. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, the power doesn't just come from anyway, the power that we learn as Christians comes from God. And the power that we learn comes from the Bible, which is God's word and his resurrection. And Paul understood that it must have taken so much power to raise the Son of God from the dead. Well, that's the same power we need to focus on to battle our sins. Resurrection is a demonstration of the power of God. That same power can be used in your life. So it sets us apart from sin. So why is the resurrection important? It sets us apart from our sin and it shows the victory of it shows the victory Jesus had over death and the devil. And we talked about it before. You know, the devil thought he won. You know, the devil's not all knowing. Just a news flash the devil is not all knowing. He's not all he's not omniscient. He didn't know Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Now he may have known already reading in scripture and hearing him say it possibly and he probably already knew that he was bigger and better than he was and that he was going to fulfill it and he may have believed him more than the disciples did but he wasn't all knowing he probably thought you know i think i won i think i got him he's in the grave and day one you know you know he's still not out yet day two you know maybe i really did get him but day three came he's like oh where did he go jesus rose from the dead defeated the death 
defeat of the devil because he's greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, you serve a God that is greater than your enemies. You know, Tom said it today. With God, you always win. Jesus always wins. You read the end of the book. We win no matter what happens. So we can say like John, even so come Lord Jesus. You know, and Jesus said, I come quickly. You know, we see that a lot in the Bible, and they ran quickly to Jesus. Well, I hope Jesus runs quickly to me. You know, I don't mind if the rapture happens right now. You say, well, that's easy. You just got married. Well, honestly, if you asked me a year ago and I was planning my wedding, I may have said something different. Like Pastor mentioned, he said that the, he was hoping the Lord tarried. I, I've, I know how that feels. But I don't mind if Jesus comes back. Why? Because Jesus is so important to me, and, and I know that he loves me, and that the fact that he defeated death and he defeated Satan, he can come back at any minute. So he shows his victory. But lastly here we see, yeah, lastly, I thought I had one more. We see that it brings us closer to God. The resurrection of Christ brings us closer to God. Jesus rose and ascended unto the Father. So if you think doctrinally or even biblical, so Jesus rose from the dead, and then what happened? You know, if you, if you don't know the story, we'll explain it to you. And if you look at Mark chapter 16, and it talks about the Great Commission. It's the end of the chapter of Mark. In Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 in verse, in verse uh, 16. And he that believeth is baptized that shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And we talked about that. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, and cast out devils, and they shall speak new tongues. They shall take a, uh, skip to verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the the word with signs following. Amen. So we see that Jesus was received up into heaven and he ascended on to his father and he's sitting on the right hand of God. You say, Anthony, what is he doing there if he's sitting on the right hand of God? If you look in 1 John, we won't turn there, in 1 John chapter 2, it talks about and we have an advocate with the Father, and that is Jesus Christ. An advocate is a legal term, and he, he's pleading our case. He's saying, no, I don't care what the devil says or what he's trying to accuse them of. That's my son, and I paid for him. And I died on the cross, and I rose again, and I defeated death. So whatever the devil says or whatever his flesh is telling him, it's not true because Jesus is pleading our case with God because he ascended. He's on the right hand of the Father. If you look in Hebrews chapter 4, and this is the last passage we'll turn to for tonight. In Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, says, uh, verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven, <coughs> Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And we could preach a while on that verse, but we're going to keep going. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was on all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. And this is my favorite part, to help in time of need. You know, what is Jesus, now Jesus rose, he rose again, he's up in heaven. Well, Jesus is there and, and now because Jesus rose, you know, the story goes that the veil was torn and, you know, there's a, a, dispensa- a different dispensation that was ushered in. And I'm not going to get onto the details of that, but, you know, now we as Christians, the Holy Spirit living in us, We are the priesthood of believers. We can go directly to God. You know, that is amazing. You know, a lot of people, the Old Testament, and they had to go through the priests, and the the God would tell the priests and all of that. But now we live in a different dispensation where God, we can go directly to God. And we can come boldly before God. You know, what an amazing thought 
that God became flesh, died a horrible, brutal death, rose again, and now we can have a relationship with him and come boldly. We don't have to come timidly and maybe, you know, God, I don't know if you want to hear from me today, or God, I don't know if you're worried about me, and I have this problem, and I don't know if you thought about, you know. God wants to hear your prayers. God is waiting to hear your prayers. He has answers ready and waiting for you. James says, you have not because you ask not. There are so many blessings and things God wants to give you if you just ask him. You know, the Bible you know, tells you, you can come boldly. You can just come before God and cry out and you know, unload on God, give him all your problems and your stress and your worries, and he will help you. He will help you get through even the toughest times. You know, even in this time that we're going through as a, a pandemic in America that some of us never have seen before, and you know, God's there, and God wants you to come boldly unto him. Jesus died, and he rose again so we can have a relationship with him. He did it out of love. You know, why would God do that? You know, God, he had, a, he had it made in heaven. He had, when he, you know, he was him and his father and they're communing and it's just an amazing place where they're worshipped by the angels. God didn't have to come down to the earth, but God came down to the earth and died a horrible death for you and for me. He did it because he loved us. What an amazing God that loves his creation so much that he would die the worst death imaginable just for them. Just so we can have a relationship with him. And I encourage you, it is the greatest relationship, it is the most important relationship you will ever have. Don't throw it away. Come boldly before God. And that last phrase, to help in time of need. You say, Anthony, that is everybody right now. We all have something that we need, or we all have something that we could use help with. Well, God says, to help in time of need, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly before God. I know I've heard... Uh, I remember I was in my office, and I'm not going to say who, but I was in my office, and someone was praying in the teen room, and it was getting on. It was a fiery, fervent prayer. And I heard him say, when he said amen, he said, man, I just stepped out of the throne room. You know, when we pray, you ought to pray like you're in the throne room of heaven. You know, sometimes when I'm struggling to pray, and I'm not perfect, sometimes I'm like, man, I, I want to go back to bed. When I'm struggling to pray, I look up to God, and I pretend that I, I imagine that I'm in his throne room because I can't. Biblically, I can know that I'm in the throne room of God and it brings me to my knees and I cry out to God and it's just this communion that I have with the God who created me. Why? Because Jesus died and Jesus rose again and now I can come boldly onto the throne of God to help in time of need. And that's just an amazing God that we have. If you need something, if you have, if you have help in time of need, go boldly before God. You say, Anthony, I would love to, but I just, I'm battling with this doubt and I really don't know if I'm on board with this Christianity thing yet. Well, I challenge you that God's never been proven wrong, the Bible's never been proven wrong, and you'll never prove him wrong. And unfortunately, you'll only prove God right if you die in your sin. And that's a terrible thing that would happen, and, and I would encourage you, look for yourself. I can't force you to get saved, but I want you to get saved. And you know, if you're listening right now and you're not saved, I guarantee you I'll be praying for you tonight. I guarantee you that there are people around this world, or around Tom's River, in this church who will be praying for you tonight. God wants to see you saved. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to help you in time of need. But you have to be saved to come boldly before his throne of grace. You can come boldly before his throne of grace, but sin separates us from God. So in conclusion, how's your relationship with Christ? Are you, is there sin separating you from God? You know, the resurrection power can get rid of it. The resurrection power can get even the largest sin or the smallest sin out of your life. You know, you say, Anthony, I'm struggling with this certain addiction or I'm struggling with this thing and it's been going on for years and I just can't give it up. Well, you know, the devil thought that 
nothing could get the Son of God up. But the resurrection power of God rose Jesus from the dead. And I guarantee you, it's enough power to get sin out of your life. Jesus rose from the dead. What, that song goes, what a mighty God we serve. You know, sometimes I think we lose track of the fact that we serve a mighty, powerful God. You know, you see this disease, this coronavirus that's going around. And, you know, even if things get worse or if things get better, we serve a mighty God. You know, things are happening to our lives and you think, you know, well, this is terrible. Why did God allow this to happen? You know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and we serve a mighty God. He's done great things in the past, and he's going to do great things in the future if you just believe him too. So remember, you serve a mighty God. You serve a God that rose from the dead. Don't ever forget that. You are, you, hmm, don't have bad handwriting. You serve a risen Savior. Jesus is not in the tomb anymore. We've been, we, I talked about this before. Go to any tomb of anybody who is some supposedly religious Messiah. They're still there. But Jesus is a risen Savior. So how close are you to God? How close are you to God? Think of it in your own life. Are you closer to God or farther away from God than you were a year ago? You know, it's not God's fault if you were to say farther away. And I mean, that may be a tough thing to tell you, but it's true. You are as close to God as you want to be. And you'll hear me say that a thousand times. It's one of my favorite quotes, and it's one of the things that really helps keep myself in check. You know, Anthony, if you're not close to God, it's not God's fault. So get on your knees. Go into the throne room of heaven. Come boldly before God and get your relationship right. God's resurrection power can do that for you. Jesus died, and he rose again just for you. Are you coming boldly before Christ? The resurrection is so important. So I hope tonight that you got possibly a, a new glimpse of the resurrection. It's not just Easter. It's not just, oh, Resurrection Sunday, let's hide eggs and do this. And all that's fun and great. But I, I encourage you, when you hear Resurrection Sunday, when you hear about a risen Savior, that you would realize that makes you different from all other religions. That that is the reason you're saved. And that, that Jesus died and he rose again to give you salvation. And now you have access to the Father. Realize that it is so important. Don't ever let the necessity of the resurrection ebb in your life. God died for you, but he didn't just stay dead. He rose again. So I hope this was a great encouragement or a reminder to you that, you know, there is so much to this resurrection. I could have preached for hours, and I'm not going to, and, but there's just so much into this resurrection and that things to study out. There's different passages of Scripture that you can get into, and I would encourage you to study it out. But the resurrection is so important. Don't ever let it go and think of it as a little thing and that, oh, well, it's Resurrection Sunday, so I guess we'll, you know, hear about the resurrection again. Or, oh, it's Christmas, we'll hear the, you know, the birth of Jesus story again. It's not just a story. It's a fact of history that changed history, and it can change your life if you let him. If you let God change your life through his resurrection power. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you rose again, and God, I thank you that... You did it for me, and you did it for us, and God, you're amazing. God, we don't deserve you, and God, every time I even think about you, I'm humbled at the fact that you would even think about me. God, I love you, God. I thank you for loving me, and I, I pray if anyone's out there that's not saved, God, I pray they'd get saved tonight. God, I pray that they wouldn't be able to sleep tonight because they can't stop thinking about you and about your resurrection power and how much you love them. God, I pray if they don't know that you love them, I pray that you would show them that you love them today or tomorrow, God, that something would happen in their life. You know what? They would think, I think God did that because you did, God, because you're real. You're in my life and you're in their lives, and I pray that they would notice that. 
God, I pray that you'd help me just to be closer to you. God, I pray I get into the throne room way more often than I'm doing right now. God, I pray you help me to be a better Christian and to live in the resurrection power, God, to live the victorious Christian life. It's not a life that's just, you know, confess sin and next day do the next sin. God, that's not the life you planned for us. God, you, you've given us a, a way to have victory, and I pray that we'd live in the victory tonight. And God, I pray that you'd give us this resurrection power. And God, I pray that we'd never forget how important your resurrection is. And God, I pray that we'd never forget just how amazing you are and how mighty you are, God, and how powerful you are. And God, I pray you be with everyone in church uh, tonight, God, and we're still church. We're still a church. We're a group of believers, and I pray you'd help them, and if they're sick, I pray you'd heal them, God. If they know someone who's sick, I pray you'd heal them, and be with the workers on the front lines, and I pray you'd be with those who are maybe struggling, and maybe got a lot of different uh, problems going on with this virus, and jobs lost, and kids at home, and now they're trying to teach them homeschool, and I'm sure that's difficult, and God, I pray you'd help them with that, and give them wisdom, but God, I pray that we'd all get closer to you through this, and that we'd come on the other side closer to you, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.